say to defund the police, but we don't, we need to stop militarizing the police. We need to stop looking at them as a, uh, as a force to solve all of our problems. The community needs to address the problems themselves and some of the victims, the, the communities, the victimized communities need to be more empowered whereby some of these issues can be handled before we get the police involved. When there are concerns about uh, prejudices and biases, we cannot seek to eliminate prejudice against one group of people that the prejudice is based upon superficial external characteristics by then replacing it with continued prejudice against another group of people based on superficial external characteristics like occupational choices. Welcome to When Opinions Collide. I'm your host, John Arthur Fiala. And now joining me are Abraham Hamilton III and uh, Dr. J. Thomas Smith. Mr. Hamilton is the political policy analyst for the American Family Association and on American Family Radio as a regular contributor. Uh, Dr. J. Thomas Smith is a lawyer, uh, immigration expert, and uh, local radio host, uh, formerly on 102.1 Magic. And uh, I think we'll be hearing from him shortly soon. How are you today, gentlemen? I'm doing great. Doing very well. Thank you for having me, John. And, and, and uh, wonderful to meet you, Dr. Smith, as well. Thank you, Abraham. Glad to have you both on. So want to ask you guys a few questions today. I mean, the country seems like it's gone topsy-turvy. Everything is, uh, you know, we're more polarized and divided today, I think, than we ever have been as a nation, or at least certainly in my short lifetime. It seems to become, uh, it's running towards a fever pitch. So kind of want to throw some questions by y'all. You both have uh, some interesting backgrounds. Uh, we'll start off with Mr. Hamilton. I want to ask you, what's your opinion on on the whole George Floyd scenario? What do you think? I mean, is there any question as to what should be done with with Derek Chauvin? Is that a is is that a divisive issue, or is there something else that people are really getting at? Is there an undertone there that we should be looking at? Well, well, I think it, it's pretty clear based on uh, the video that almost every American at this point has seen circulating in our country. Um, I'm usually one of the people who would say that we need to get all of the information, we need to get all of the facts before we come to a conclusion. Uh, but witnessing the video that lasts over 10 minutes in total that depicts Derek Chauvin plunging his knee into the back of Mr. George Floyd's neck as he is laying face down prone on the side of the street uh, with his hands cuffed behind him. I think it is, it is evident from that video uh, that Derek Chauvin uh, committed murder before all, all of the American people, for all of the American people to see. I think uh, the police officers who were present on the scene, uh, although the video doesn't depict this, photos that were released later showed that at various points there were up to three officers all on Mr. Floyd at one time. There are, are no factual circumstances that would suggest that what we all witnessed would be a justifiable use of force by the police officers. Um, the video was long enough where we can see uh, that there were no there were no risks to the officers' uh, life, lives or safety uh, when Derek Chauvin was plunging his knee into the back of George Floyd's neck. We know that even uh, by the body posture of Derek Chauvin himself having tucked his own hands in his pocket. Uh, we have we have all witnessed uh, murder, and I and I think 
that the country for a change was pretty close to unanimous in agreement that what we witnessed was murder. Uh, so I think that was a harrowing sight for all, all of us to see. And um, it is something we are grappling with as a nation at this moment. So my next question would be, why aren't we uniting around this? I mean, it seems to me as though this has become, it, it seems like everyone's in agreement that this officer committed a vile act of brutality. Uh, Dr. Smith, what would be your, your impression as to, as to why this is divisive? Tribalism. Basically, I mean, the answer is very, very obvious uh, in that regard. Well, my, my immediate are, thought would be, you, and I don't have these stats in front of me, my immediate that thought you, would be when it comes to the police or any of the of social issues, either you with us or you're against us. So if you're uh, against uh, the idea of, uh, in other words, this is what we stand for, what you, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? One thing that's very uh, notable is that in the, all of the history of uh, Minnesota, they have never convicted a white police officer for killing an African-American the whole history. In fact, this might be the only case of which they, they're prosecuting. Uh, but for the fact that we witnessed it, we would have heard a story about how he resisted a furtive move. We saw a shiny object. We feared for our life. The standard stories that they typically tell when an African-American is dies in custody at the hands of the police. There's always something that he or she did to cause their demise. In this case, question what happened, but the issue that we're gonna have when it comes to prosecuting this case, for example, one of the uh, attorneys for uh, one of the gentlemen appeared on a national TV earlier this week and tried to come up with an excuse that the public, the police video, the body cam, and tried to suggest that there was something that he, that he was uh, pumped up with drugs or something, he was out of control, he was superhuman, and that that's why they had to hold him down. He tried to say that his client did not see Chauvin's knee on his neck based on the, his position. So I'm saying, we're gonna hear these things up here in court, and the challenge we're going to have is whether we're asking actually get an honest jury who will be able to base their decision on the facts. That's going to be our challenge, uh, the country's challenge. Our eyes are lying to us, and a jury finds that he's not culpable in this situation. What we've seen so far is going to be, I think it's going to be mild compared to the uh, consequences. So I want to jump in there. You bring up some interesting points. I want to ask um, Mr. Hamilton what his opinion is on some of the stuff that you brought out there. Uh, you were saying that uh, this is the only, or rather this likely the only prosecuted case of a white, on, white cop on black African-American uh, killing. You know, there were only, what, last year, approximately 10 Unarmed uh, incidents. I'd like to throw this one to. to in the last. Was it eleven? Okay. I, 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 oh, eleven deaths in Minneapolis. Correct. 
So I'll go ahead and throw this over to uh, Mr. Hamilton to respond. Uh, what am I responding to? The, the audio kind of cut out a little bit. I apologize. So the 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 uh, the concept that this is a common occurrence and it's happened eleven times in mi Minneapolis uh, is what I'm hearing. I I beg your pardon. Did he say eleven times over the last ten years? Over the last ten years, I mean to me that sounds like a Correct. well. I'd, I'd like to get your response, Mr. Hamilton. Go, well, go ahead and reiterate the point, doctor, if you need to. Yes, deaths by of, of African-Americans at the hands of the police in Minnesota, I, I, want, I want to say in the last 10 years, and there have been no prosecutions. Okay. Your thoughts, One, Mr. Hamilton. There was a prosecution where police contacts that Minneapolis police officers have had or Minnesota police officers have had with uh, melanated people in Minnesota over that same time period. Uh, because if, if the Minnesota statistics are similar to the national statistics where there are over uh, 375 million contacts with American citizens annually. And, and in 2019, uh, there were a total of uh, nine uh, melanated uh, described as unarmed black men that were, were killed, it shows that it, it that were fatally, that were fatally killed, uh, that it's a very low number. Now, let me say this very clearly, any loss of life is a tragedy. First and foremost, because every single human being, regardless of their walk of life, regardless of what they've done with their lives, are made in the image and likeness of God. So I wanna say that unequivocally upfront. But something that I am concerned about, you know, as a young man, you know, I grew up in the hood in New Orleans. I grew up born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana. And there's this current animus toward the police officers. And one of the things that is a glaring concern for me uh, with, for example, the Minnesota City Council's move to defund the police and things of that nature, that the people that would be most victimized by these types of things are going to be the people that are most vulnerable. And so uh, in, in, the, in this moment, I don't find it prudent to make rash decisions like uh, defunding the police officers in a moment of fervor, in a moment of furor, where uh, emotions are high. I think there needs to be a, a calm and deliberate approach to whatever reforms that uh, legislators, municipal officials, whoever believe may be necessary. Um, but it is not prudent in my estimation to completely remove uh, or disband police uh, units and police departments because of the, in the wake of George Floyd's murder. And I would add this, this to the conversation. I highly doubt that this is the cry that are coming from the people in these neighborhoods. I am concerned that there are nefarious actors that are taking advantage of George Floyd's murder to advance a nefarious agenda that has no concern and nothing to do with the people in these communities that are, that, that are, uh, that are, that are crying out. Uh, case in point, uh, following George Floyd's murder, there have been numerous people, including melanated people, David Dorn in St. Louis, Patrick Underwood in Oakland, who have also been murdered in the outcry. But we don't see nearly as much attention focused there because I think people are attempting to hijack George Floyd's murder in order to advance an agenda that has nothing to do with the people in these communities uh, that, are, that are being governed by municipal authorities. So 
that brings me to an interesting question. I, I want to ask you both. We had riots. It, you know, there were protests and there were riots, right? There's, there's this question of where does that line fall and who was whom? I think there were legitimately people who were protesting the, the unjust death of George Floyd. But, you know, there, there are folks who are saying that the, uh, the riots were done by protesters. I, I heard one commentator say this was a, a scream of prime, a primal pain. I find that insulting. Personally, I find that insulting to everyone involved. Uh, were, were these protesters or were these cultural Marxists? What What's the deal? Dr. Smith, uh, give me your short on that, and then I'd like to get uh, Mr. Hamilton's opinion. Okay, first of all, I, I just want to touch on a couple of things uh, Mr. Abraham, um, I mean, uh, Mr. Uh, Hamilton brought up. He refers to uh, Black people and uh, Hispanic people as melanated people. I just want to make sure the listening audience understands because I've never heard anybody use the term uh, melanated people when they come, when it comes to someone being murdered by the police. So uh, I, I so melanated people. I, I assume you mean black people, Africans, or Mexicans, Hispanics, or anybody else who is not Caucasian. Is that what you mean? I mean people that, that right? skin color are, reflects a higher level of melanin in their bodies. You mean black people? Including black people, yes. You don't mean white people, right? I say you don't mean white people, right? You, you say you say including black people. Black people are the main victims. So we're talking about African Americans. It sounds like you try you what you want to you're trying to make as uh, as serious as it is. We don't want to wash over this. And you make reference to the fact that. Uh, the percentage of only 11 uh, black people are saying that based on the percentage of people they come into contact with, that's a very small number. Uh, but I would ask uh, how many white people are not in Minnesota? The audio broke up again. You would ask how many what? Uh, white people have been murdered at the hands of the police in uh, Minneapolis that you know of. I don't have the specific statistics for for. Oh, right. Yeah, right. I, I have I have those statistics for the entire country. There were. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, no, we're speaking about we're we're speaking about that that particular situation. My point is is that this does not typically happen to a non-melanated. Typically happens to melanated melanated people, as you put it. It doesn't happen that, that to white is people. That's actually inaccurate. That's factually inaccurate. Every year, there are more, there are more, as you call them, white people that are killed in a, in America than black people every year. More every year. At the hands of the, the police. Hands of police. Yeah. Okay. But that's, per that's per, per interaction with the police, uh, officers, and and maybe this is a good thing, maybe this is a bad thing, but officers are significantly less likely to use lethal force with a uh, uh, melanated person than they are a white person. Now that that's just statistically, I, I won't deny the fact that they're racists in in this world, and some of them have made it onto police force, right? Some of them have made it onto the police force, and those those people need to be dealt with, as as we find them. However, the the I don't have the statistic in front of me. I, I apologize, but it is a significantly higher likelihood per encounter. Like I, I, yeah, I'll just tell you, in 2019, there were 1,004. Uh, people who were killed at the hands of police officers last year. 235 of them were black. 769 of them were not black. 
So um, to assert that it's only happening to black people, that's just factually inaccurate. That does not mean that there no, are people who harbor biases. No, I didn't say. No, I didn't say it only happened to black people. No, you I'm said it didn't happen to white people. That's what you said. Talking, I was talking Minneapolis, Minnesota. I, Minneapolis, Minnesota was the question. There was one where a black police officer acted Okay, that was that. That was that one. I think we're getting bogged down in a, in, right? in a little bit of the minutia. Um, we, we we are a little bit. Let's deal with let, let's deal with statistics that we have where we compare apples to apples. And by the way, Minneapolis that department, I, I firmly believe that it needs to be looked at because Derek Chauvin had multiple very negative encounters with 17. with with yeah. I mean, we're talking an officer who should have been booted a long time ago. There, you know, and a lot of a lot of. Uh, Police departments have a, a three strike sort of situation, or even even harsher. One bad encounter, and an officer's on on notice. And I think that's the way it should be. Police have a hard job. I I have a lot of respect for the badge and those who wear it. However, they're held to a very very high standard, and they need to be. They're holding our lives in their hands. Yes, I agree. I I I support the police, but supporting the police includes holding them accountable, calling out brutality when it occurs, and, and when they violate the law, they need to be held, held accountable. And supporting the police requires that. I'm an attorney. Dr. Smith is an attorney. I'm pretty sure you've heard uh, the scores of attorney jokes like I've, I have about lawyers being liars and things of that nature. Well, I take it upon myself to make sure I'm not one of those types of attorneys. And if I ever uh, become aware of someone taking advantage of people because of that, I'm not going to wait for somebody else to speak up. I'm going to speak up. The same should be and true. Think, I'm and sorry. I think we're we're obligated to, we're obligated to do that. I might might point out that my family is in law enforcement. I have one uncle that served uh, the police department for 40 years. I have a cousin that's been the a police. My sister's a, a police officer. So, you know, it's something uh, I have. I respect the police also, and I you of uh, the point you brought up before. I, I, that's that's not going to happen, and I don't believe that any reasonable person is not going to happen. I'm thinking what the idea is that some of the funding that's going to the police should be going programs to minimize or reduce the need of police while working at doing involuntary commitments at Ben Top Hospital here in Houston. Typically, police. Uh, in the, uh, a person, a person with a mental health uh, issue into the hospital to the emergency room, and we'd have to triage that patient. Uh, they should, a police officer doesn't need a gun and a taser and all of that to pick up some of the mental health issue. If we had more money going into the mental health arena, we'd have a need for police officers to be dealing with those situations. And there are other situations like that where the, where the not be used in that in that in that regard. So there's a real conversation to be had about mental health in in the United States. You know, we look at uh, uh, everything from from uh, uh, shooters to to uh, you know some of our police officers. I mean, some of these guys deal with PTSD, and there's a real there's a real conversation to be had there. But that's probably not for the scope of today. Uh, 
want to go ahead and just get your your quick opinions, both of you. We're running up on our time here. Uh, what are the solutions to the divide that Americans face today? Our nation's polarized. Uh, Dr. Smith, I want to get get your response, and then I'd like to get uh, Mr. Hamilton's to close out. Well, I, I think there are a number of issues here. As a community, we do have issues with police, education, voting, health, employment, uh, just to name a few. Some of the solutions would be, I think, put more, take, not to say to defund the police, but we don't, we need to stop militarizing the police. We need to stop looking at them as a, uh, as a force to solve all of our problems. The community needs to address the problems themselves and some of the victims, the, the communities, the victimized communities need to be more empowered whereby some of these issues can be handled before we get the police involved. If I, if you have a friend that's uh, about, about to drive drunk, you're not going to uh, turn him over to the police, but at the same time, you would try to stop him from committing. I think more of that needs to happen in the community. And of course, absolutely. And we definitely, we definitely need to have a conversation about over militarizing the police before black lives matter became a, a big conversation. We were talking about, uh, uh demilitarizing the police. But uh, again, different conversation for a different day, maybe. Mr. Hamilton, your thoughts. What's the solution to the divide Americans face in our culture? Well, the, the issues that, that Dr. Smith mentioned about uh, policing, about education, I would add in, into their uh, barriers to entrepreneurship, all of these things are governed on the local level. I think by focusing our attention to the federal level, we allow ourselves to be distracted from the most immediate source of government interaction in our lives. Uh, in many of these cities where they're the most uh, vehement outcries, you have, I would say, uni-party rule for 50, 60, in my hometown of New Orleans, over a century. But these people are never held accountable for these things. And I would add, uh, when there are concerns about uh, prejudices and biases, we cannot seek to eliminate prejudice against one group of people that the prejudice is based upon superficial external characteristics by then replacing it with continued prejudice against another group of people based on superficial external characteristics like occupational choices. I think it's, I think it's unhelpful for people to say everything is always based in skin color based partiality, racism, and it's not helpful either to say that it never happens. I, I think that we need to move to the place to where we as a nation uh, get to the place where we recognize that people are people and that superficial analysis and evaluations and prejudices cannot be supplanted if we just transition the, the direction of superficial, superficial prejudices and biases. Well, I appreciate both of you being on. This has been an honor and a privilege. Uh, hope to have you back on again. Thank you, gentlemen. And thank you thank for you, inviting me. Thank you to Dr. Smith. If you enjoyed that conversation, let us know. Tweet us, at Opinions Collide. There's not enough characters on Twitter for at when Opinions Collide. So tweet us, at Opinions Collide. And uh, let us know what you thought. If you liked it, if you hated it, if you're offended, great. If you loved it, great. Tell us why. Uh, this show is all about getting both sides together and uh, having a chat. Uh, 
pretend it's that awkward conversation at Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. If you're on the radio, you're at uh, 1540 AM or 101.7. And if you're listening to the Edge Radio podcast, go ahead and hit us a, uh, a like and a share and a subscribe. And uh, if you're on the When Opinions Collide podcast, same thing there. Let us know who we should have on next. This is going to be a fun ride together. Looking forward to many more of these conversations. And tell us uh, what what topic should we tackle on our next episode. We've got uh, another vaccine show, and uh, we're working on some other fun stuff, but let us know. Thank you for listening to the Edge Radio Network and When Opinions Collide. And we're back. And now I'm joined by Charlie Pomeroy. How are you today, Mr. Pomeroy? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have you on again. Mr. Pomeroy is one of our regulars on this show. And uh, real quick, Mr. Pomeroy, I'd like to get get a little bit about you for our audience who are just joining us. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself real quick and uh, your thoughts about what's been going on this last week. Yeah, so I've been a person that's been involved in the IT uh, domain of corporate America and done a lot of project work, Uh, done project management work, mostly in uh, oil and gas, and did that for uh, quite a while. And now what I'm doing is a lot of uh, this and a lot of that, or a little of this and a little of that, do a lot of ministry work and just trying to help people and uh, just do some small odds and ends for jobs and and uh, so I'm just, I'm enjoying those things. And, and pertaining to what's going on in America right now, uh, I think we're seeing utter chaos, unfortunately. And I think we'll get into this, as a matter of fact, as, as part of the, the things that we're going to be dis- discussing today. But that chaos is not, I, I don't, I don't see it as being necessary, number one. And number two, I think people are getting caught up in it and allowing themselves to follow it as opposed to resist it. Um, that's just personal opinion. And we'll, we'll get into more of that. I'm, I'm sure that we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Well, thank you, sir. I want to grab your, your opinion on this quick. Uh, you know, there are a lot of talking points on the left and on the right about who was uh, rioting. Who were the people who were breaking the windows? And I, I heard one uh, person say, or, or read one one editorial that said uh, that they they claimed the uh, riots were a primal uh, scream of anguish from America's uh, racist past. First off, as I said with my with my other guests. Uh, I find that to be kind of derogatory and insulting. Uh, <laughs> my, my take, and, and I want to get yours, is that there were people who were legitimately protesting the, the unjust death of, of George Floyd. And then there were, there were other people in the crowd who were, who were sporting Antifa uh, paraphernalia and gear, and they were doing stuff. There are some people who say that the, some of the looters and protesters were undercover cops. Uh, what What's your take on the the protesters versus the rioters, and uh, what's been going on with 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 our country in flames? Well, first and foremost, I think there were people that were definitely trying to protest legitimately, um, and I think I, I'd like to give the benefit of the doubt that there were not 
but a handful of people that would have been riot and looting, uh, rioting and looting uh, in that scenario. However, there's an undercurrent of this is where the chaos is coming from. And I'm, I'm going to put it out there. My personal opinion is that George Soros is, is the one behind this kind of stuff. And if that is true, he's not going to allow something like this to just go by the wayside. This is a prime situation that could be taken advantage of. So whether he's behind it or not, it, there is a group of people that is truly bent on radicalizing America in a different direction. Um, AOC is doing it through politics. Uh, however, she's not afraid to voice her support uh, for being very aggressive. Uh, Ilhan Omar is definitely up there. Um, so when you talk about the people that were protesting versus those that were rioting and looting, uh, I think it's two different groups. I don't think it's the same group. And what's a real shame here is that a real dialogue could have been had um, if, if, if the protests were just protests. And I think there would have been legitimate dialogue. And that dialogue has been hijacked. And I'm going to say almost squashed out. And that's very disappointing because I think there's some, some real things that could have really uh, benefited here. It's really interesting that everything that is done by uh, President Trump, by conservatives, um, and I'm talking commentators or otherwise, they're always labeled a racist. That, that's the first term that's thrown out. Look, when, when you want to talk, you must talk objectively, directly. You cannot just throw out the, the hot words uh, of the year. And for, for the liberals, uh, for the last several decades, Nixon was a racist, Reagan was a racist, Bush was a racist, Bush too was a racist. I mean, Trump, oh my gosh, middle name is racist, you know? And the thing is, it, it, it's really interesting that of all of those people, and I can't say that I know enough about Nixon to say that he was or was not. I don't, initially, I don't think he was. But let me, let me read a definition for the word racist, okay? Here's, here's what it is. This is from Webster's, Merriam-Webster. Okay, a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. Now, of all the people that we just talked about, President Trump is probably the least racist of all of them. And the reason being is because he's done more for blacks than any other president in recent time. So when you start just throwing the word out all the time, it, you've really, you've diminished your, your ability to be credible. So let's kind of recap this. 
we're we're talking about the the protests and in in riots and looting and all that was it two different groups uh, i believe it was i definitely believe it was and what's really good and and john arthur you you know as much as i know uh, i'm a christian follow christ and i look at i try to look at things through a biblical perspective and satan has always been one to hijack anything associated with christians or with christ and i think that is exactly what has happened in this situation and what's sad is that many in america that mean that mean well that want their voices heard they've allowed that to happen their voices have been squelched well yeah i would absolutely agree with you in that the the protest over george floyd dying which i mean i think everyone agrees was anyone who was saw awful. that is that was out, awful outraged yes outraged yes. by by the brutality the sheer violence that that was committed on that man and can i can i stop uh, you there you know, for just a, a real quick moment john arthur i i want to bring a, a, sure. a, a big point up here and I, I don't mean to cut you off like that somebody posted on facebook here uh, recently and asked a very pointed question. If I were there, would I have knocked that police officer off him? Wow. Wow. And folks, Lens, let me tell you Lens credence to the idea yes. of, 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 an armed, of an armed citizenry. Yeah, I, I just, I'm sorry, I had to bring that up because I think that's a question that, that, that many Americans need to ask themselves. And let me tell you something, those that are not um, closely following the Christian ways, many would, they'd step up, yeah, I would, I would. For those of us that have a very, very high level of regard for police officers, that, that becomes a very pointed question. Sure. Very pointed. And I'd like to think that I would. I, I really would, but I've, I've, I'm not, I haven't been put in that situation. So, but I'm sorry, keep going. My, my apologies. Well, it's easy, and you're right. It's easy to couch warrior uh, uh, on Monday morning after, yes. after the game's been played. You can one Monday morning quarterback this whole thing. Yeah. But there is a reason why the, the, founders and framers gave us the first amendment and if the, the joke is or the saying goes if the first amendment doesn't work or if it gets taken away the second amendment is there as a backup right yep. case of an emergency but if you look at the people who've always wanted to control uh, uh, people's access to firearms they were always the if you look at their origins of, of, of gun control it was the, the, the southern democrats who wanted to keep black people from owning firearms during Jim Crow. That way, when the police brutally, you know, assaulted or lynched someone, they could do so with impunity. They could yeah, no know, shoot whoever, whoever got in their way. They have no resistance. And I mean, that's where I think we need to, we need to be empowering citizens, whatever the content of the melanin in their skin, uh, citizens and good thing need to be able to defend themselves because there are bad people. And every once in a while, I'd say it is a fraction of the time. You look at how many uh, engagements a year police have with the public. There's only, uh, it's like 10 or 11 African-Americans last year. 
and I think it was 20-something whites that were unarmed and shot. However, the majority of those actually went for the gun. They charged the police officer. They were bashing someone's head in. One of them was beating the pulp out of someone, and the officer fired a warning shot. And then the guy looked at the officer and then continued to bash this person's head on the concrete. Uh, They were unarmed. But the officer, you know, stood in the gap and actually did their job. They served and protected. Then there are officers like Chauvin, who, frankly, need to see the uh, inside the walls for a long time. I heard one pastor say say it this way. This is the time for biblical justice. You have Chauvin's brother kneel on Chauvin's neck. Or, I mean, uh, uh, Floyd's Floyd's brother kneel on Chauvin's neck uh, the same way until uh, Chauvin dies. Um, you know, that, that's an interesting, interesting take. I, I, I have some sympathy towards that argument. I don't know if that's the way we want to go as a nation, but uh, I, I, I feel it. Yeah, so absolutely. That leads me to the next question I want to ask you. You know, are police in America systemically racist? And, and by systemic, it's really important to define terms. Systemic would be something that is ingrained in the system by a policy, by measure, by uh, by authority of the system, is um, are, are the American police racist? So uh, I want to question. And and I appreciate the fact that you read a nice little definition on that. Um, first of all, identity politics is no good, and that's that's really what you have going on here. It's, it's identity politics and it's, it's not serving anybody any good. Derek Chauvin was uh, a bad nut. What about the other 99 that are doing incredible things? And let me just add, not necessarily just doing incredible things as an officer, but some doing incredible things for black people in black neighborhoods. What about those? So you can't take a Derek Chauvin and hang a label on, of, of his action on a whole nationwide group of people. That is, that is wrong. There's, there's, no, there's no place for that. So that's, that's point number one there. To that point, um, based on your definition that you read, no, I don't believe that there is. Now, let me also put a caveat on this. There's two things I want to bring out here. Number one, are there pockets of it in America? My gut feeling would be yes, there are. And, you know, I'm I'm not even going to rule it out that it exists in the South. All right, I'm talking like the oh, yeah. states of Mississippi and Alabama, and, and I'm not trying to rag on Mississippi or Alabama. I'm just saying that that you you can see some of that. It it's still it, it's still there, okay? But is it systemic, especially around the nation? Absolutely, unequivocally not. There is no way. Please do tell me. How many black police chiefs we've got in this nation? And I can tell you there's quite a few, and I'm talking some of them in major cities. 
We're, we're not talking about podunk America that, that, that's got a force of three, okay? We're talking about major cities that have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So if you want to tell me that there is systemic racism in police departments in America, you need to get your head screwed on tight. You, you don't even know what you're talking about as far as I'm concerned, because those, those black police chiefs, do you honestly think they would put up with that? Wow. That's, that's the epitome of, of, a, of contrasting. That's a paradox if I ever heard it. Okay. Number two, when we, when you talk about the systemic aspect, there is, I think, the, and th this is where this thing is individual. It's, it, it's not a group. We, we have to get away from the identity thing. Uh, Derek Chauvin is an example. And let me just say this uh, in, in, as a side point. My personal opinion is Derek Chauvin should not have been in the uniform. He had a number of complaints filed against him and he wasn't the I believe it was one. 17. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, this guy shouldn't have even been in a uniform. So let let's just get that out there. But I think there are officers that are out there that absolutely want to do their best. And let me tell you, there's a lot of them that are extremely young. How comfortable are you with a 23 or 24 year old handling a life and death situation with a gun. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't want a 23 or 24 year old showing up at my door to help me out in an, in an emergency. I love 23, 24 year olds. I, I work with them all the time. They do not have the spiritual maturity to understand how to handle difficult situations like that. Can they, can they be trained? Yes. How long does that take? I say it takes a little while. You don't do that overnight. There is not enough time in a, in a, in a shooting range. There's not enough time going through drills. You, you can't expect young people to handle that. Now, Derek Chauvin is not young. He, he should have known better. He absolutely should have known better. But what I'm saying- He was I'm in saying, his 40s, give or absolutely. take. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, What's, what's really interesting here, I'm almost countering my own point. What's really interesting is if you had had a younger officer there, I wonder if that would have been handled a lot differently. Are there officers Well, I think it that, needs to be handled. Yeah, well, most definitely. And are there officers that do have a, a bias? Um, th there are. There are. But they, they need to be weeded out. Last point on this. I want to be clear that I don't believe that I think there's a limit to racial profiling that should be done. All right. Um, I saw a post on Facebook real recently of a man that has got a legit business working very hard and he gets pulled over on average four to five times a week. Wow. Now just think about that. 
and this is in a very this, this is the areas that I'm talking about and this was not in Alabama or Mississippi so don't don't anybody jump to conclusions here I'm not going to give the location but here's the deal this is what I want to get at how would you like to be in his shoes running a legit business working so hard to provide for your family being pulled over four to five times an average per week, having to explain things. When you do explain things, the officer doesn't buy what you're telling them. That's uh, called harassment. Oh, I mean, and, and you know what? And that is the point. Just, there's, there is some of this. In I want to know that who, who this guy is so we can get a permanent restraining order against the police department. And I'll tell you, Barring it's felony. really sad. This guy won't even do his business. He, he, he'll get calls all throughout the, 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 the day and evening. He will not do any calls in the evening. He won't do them. And it's because of this reason. I think it's sad. And it's wrong. So there and are pockets of that sounds like a real it. problem with the local, yes. yeah, with yes. the local police department. Yep. I and don't think, though, be, that it it's systemic. Yeah, I don't think it's systemic. I don't think it's nationwide. I think it's, it's, it, it is um, pocketed. And I'll tell you, this is where the state attorneys need to get after it. This, this is where it could get nipped. It, it really could. But that topic right there is another one. We could get into so, that. So basically, you're, you, you are conceding the point that there are some police departments that have a large number, a large enough number of officers that need to be disciplined or removed entirely, yes. uh, although they typically tend to be smaller municipalities. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. That I would totally agree with that. There are a couple of uh, places in Houston, I won't name names, but uh, where I really think they need to have a conversation with with how they pull people over. Yeah. However, I don't think tra I don't think speeding tickets are constitutional. But that's another conversation for another time. There needs to be an injured party. Yeah. There needs to be an injured party. I think I you know I think people would be a lot happier with police if they weren't pulled over for speeding. If they were pulled over for cutting someone off or endangering someone, yeah. that's that's maybe and there have to be like a metric for that. But that's not the conversation today. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that conversation will be had at some point. So self-policing, they're talking in Minnesota, right, or Minneapolis specifically, rather, uh, about disbanding the police or defunding mm -hmm. the police. I'm not yeah. sure to what extent there were people who were demanding complete defunding of the police, where you'd have a citizenry-based patrol. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? John Arthur, I can't, I can't use strong enough words on the air for that. That is, <laughs> that is the epitome of stupid. Basically, we are what an you're FCC doing... station, so th <laughs> that I don't, don't want the... any fines. <laughs> no, uh, I, that is the epitome of stupid. That right there is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So basically, we're saying that we we've, we've got four officers that were bad nuts and we're just going to totally disband the whole thing. We're going to throw them all out. We're going to, we're going to get rid of the whole police department. Listen, America, Houstonians hear this and hear this. Well, you can go ahead and do something like that. And if you think that Chicago 
who just had the highest m number of murders in one day in 60 years. Okay, that, that was this last week. If you think that's bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Those numbers well, will go into would the be, hundreds. Because, because we don't... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and defend the position for a second here. But I, but I believe the response from the BLM movement would be that officers are, uh, by and large, unjust to the minority population. And if, and, and if not in a, in a, uh, via, in a murder uh, count, at the very minimum in the way that they treat uh, racial minorities, even if it's on a verbal level. What would be your response to that? How, how would a... I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. The, the thing is, is what is the solution to it? What, what they're saying is totally get rid, de defund the police department. Listen, here's, here's what's happening right now. This is happening. You've got police officers that are walking off the job. And I can promise you that if I had a uniform, I would be giving serious contemplation to that very thing. And I don't care where I'd be at in America. It wouldn't matter. I want to ask people something. Just answer this question in your mind. What do you think, who do you think is going to show up at your door when you need help if there's no police department? Okay, firefighters are not coming. They're not going to do that job. They're not, they're not paid for that. Okay, so there, there's one. Ambulance people are not going to come unless you're seriously hurt, which you probably will be, okay? The only people that you're going to have be able to defend you or to help you is your neighbor. Hope you're living in a good neighborhood. And how about the areas of minorities, the minority neighborhoods, the people that, that truly are trying to live well, to, to, to get through, and they, they don't have the financial means to be able to get out of those neighborhoods. And yet there is evil stuff going on all around them. What about them? I, this, the solution to this problem is not defunding police departments. It is the absolute dumbest, dumbest, dumbest thing that you could possibly do. Now, that being said, what really makes me nervous is that Minneapolis is gonna go ahead and try to do that. And here's, here's what's really scary. Uh, for, those, for those that are listening that, that don't realize this, Minneapolis is heavily Muslim, okay? And I'm not, I'm not anti-Muslim. There's a lot of well-meaning Muslims. But you're going to end up with Sharia law. And if you haven't done your homework and understand what Sharia law is, you might want to go live a few months over in the Middle East. Now, you're referring to Sharia supremacism or uh, yeah. actual true, true Sharia law. Yep. Uh, a lot of Muslims live by a Sharia law or a jihad that does not include uh, violence towards others, and that's and that's their interpretation of, of the Quran. But what you're talking about is the Sharia law to the extreme, where if someone is uh, 
unfaithful or if the husband believes the wife is unfaithful, he can go ahead and cut her down in the streets, as we've seen now, in quite a few it, honor killings on our on our on our soil so in the states. Anybody ever heard of Keith Ellison? Hello. Oh, and guess who is a councilman up in Minneapolis? Oh no, it's not Keith Ellison. It's his son. So now you've got two very powerful people high up in in the in the state of Minnesota that are for the very thing that you just described, John Arthur. So this I have family and dear friends who are who are Muslims, but they're they're people who who believe in in our constitution and our laws and our government, yep. and they believe in in right to fair trial. They don't believe it that that you can cut your wife's head off because she went and got Botox, and that's and, and, and that's something that actually happened. All right. Y yes. The and thing that the, had the point though, that I, that I want to make here, John Arthur, and and, and I'm I'm appreciating that you're bringing some clarity to this the what what people do not realize is the importance of who they're voting for if i were living in the state of minnesota and i'm a muslim and i really mean well for the u.s constitution there is no way that i want either one of those ellison people in a position of authority there's no way. But my fear is that they don't necessarily recognize that issue and the danger of it. And so once, once you've got somebody that is entrenched in there, AKA Washington, can we say what's going on there? You've opened a door that is going to be extremely hard to close. And that is what is fixing to happen up there. And to bring it full circle, as a, as a Christian, I would never vote for an official who believes that we should say burn all Muslims at the stake, Amen. right? Someone Amen. someone who says something crazy like that, I would say that that is a constitutional and immoral. Yeah. Uh, it, but yeah. here's the thing: if you are self policed by a local group that is working outside of the scope and the oversight of a police department, if your police department does not have good oversight vote those people out who are in charge of taking care of that prosecute Amen. the department prosecute the the officers who do this stuff before they kneel on Flo George Floyd's neck and if you said I didn't know this was happening George Floyd or excuse me Derek Chauvin the man who killed George Floyd had 17 interactions that were worth dismissal you don't think other officers in that department weren't complacent with that activity you don't think that there were warning signs vote the people out vote whoever I, i'm not sure if it was a, a county or if it was a city uh uh issue if it was a city it would be the person who the mayor uh appointed would have been the chief vote One more. those people out they've had control over minneapolis for how many years i believe it's 50 yeah Totally agree. And, and let me say one more thing on, on this issue here, that when <clears throat> you're, you're looking at the same kind of thing going on in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. has become a place that is not listening to America. Why? Because people are moving there to get good jobs. And what they're doing is they get those jobs because they know somebody 
and then they just move around from agency to agency. They're not concerned about you and me. That's number one. Number two, one way to handle this issue of taking uh, care of police officers like Derek Chauvin, look, you might think, well, where's internal affairs on this? Uh, boy, that's a great question. That is a phenomenal question. But here's one of the problems with that. Internal affairs. That's kind of a paradox, isn't it? Almost like the fox guarding the hen house. I don't know why a police department would be investigating a police department. It, does that make sense? What really I should agree. Be it should be a, external. It should be an outside oversight committee. Yep. That's L like John Arthur, the, this is like why, the PTA. Yes. Yes. But, and this but is why times we more don't. <laughs> uh, yeah. And this is why, though, we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are reevaluate the system. Yes. Yes. The structure of it, it is good. It just needs some tweaking. Let's tweak it. And you know what? We've we've got the momentum to do it. Let's do it right now. Let's right let's now. Do that. It would be it would be so much more helpful to talk about civilian oversight over over you know the 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 citizenry oversight over the police departments. And and I know there are a lot of officers who are cringing right now. I I understand oh, that. I, I I hurt for them. But here's but 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 here's the thing. Here's the thing. With any system change like this, you're going to have a bunch of civilian oversight or citizen oversight people who do not what they're doing is, is going to be the first thing that happens. You're going to have a bunch of them come in and they're going to say, we don't like this, we don't like that, we don't like the other. And yes, guess what you're going to have? A crime spike and a bunch of problems. Mm -hmm. I get that. Yep. I get that. But after a while, the people on the oversight committee, they will be voted out or voted on or they will wise up. And at the end of yeah. the day, We'll have a system that internal affairs is is something that it should be replaced with an oversight. I was going to say it goes away. Yeah. And, and, and I would not have a problem with that. You know, it, it used to be that internal affairs, if, if you were a police officer and you heard that that phrase being thrown around, you you instantly started sweating. That That's the way that used to be. And, and I don't know why that's changed. I'm not going to speculate on that. But the, the thing is, is that I don't think they're doing the job that they need to do anymore. Um, and, you know, there's, I'm glad. In some, in some departments. Yeah, there is a camaraderie in, in police departments and, and officers don't want to speak out against another one. Boy, I get that because you're talking about a team. I'd like mm -hmm. to know that you've got my back when I need you to have my back. So yes. I, I get that. I'm, I'm not, I, I want to be very careful here, but I, I think that this, it, I think some changes that where we could sit down and dialogue and do it, I think would be really helpful. Uh, I really do. I don't think we need to defund police departments. I don't think we need to get rid of them. And let me say this, we don't need to make, good police officers feel like they're not wanted. Agreed. You that's know, that's one happening. of those things. You've got a lot of officers who are getting treated like dirt. Like dirt. Yep. And there are a lot of really good officers. I have, I've had all sorts of interactions with the police. And a lot of people, they, they tell me, you don't know 
because you have white privilege. <laughs> oh, I could you, go on that topic. You have no oh, idea. my gosh. You have no idea about my white privilege. My white privilege card did not get me out of being arrested with my father because we were in a kidnapping case, and that officer was a friend of the family who was kidnapping the young girl. Wow. Okay? Wow. And I got... I was getting interred to CPS. I had a fr we had a friend. He was a lawyer. He got me out uh, by the skin of my teeth. They arrested my father and I. We were staking out. We were, uh, I'd say, ten door doors down, and the people who called the police were the kidnappers because the girl was in that house, mm. and we found out later. Uh, my dad was brutally mistreated. We were coming home from a on, on them. Uh, on another one, we were coming home from the gun show. Officers decided to search the vehicle without a permission. They found the two cars with the 4473 forms, okay? These were purchased with every uh, T crossed and every I dotted. They threw my dad in jail for multiple nights. They beat him and they took away his medication. He is a, he's a asthmatic and uh, he was suffering from pneumonia at the time. So another time, we were up in Utah. There was a group of people who had sway in the right places and power there. I'll leave that alone. Just to say that we got more than our share of tickets and we always had a cruiser following us because there was a man there uh, who was thrown into the asylum for believing that he could run a car on, on partially water or mostly water. But that's another conversation for another time. He was thrown there because uh, he refused to sell the technology to the wrong person and they pulled strings. Uh, us trying to get him out of there was a nightmare. With that said, uh, you, I, I've got I've got more. I, I can tell more stories. D does that mean that police are bad? No, it, it, no, does, no. Does does. that mean that there are officers out who do bad things? Sure. Time to time to take them to task. They're held to a Absolutely. higher standard. Yeah. And I love the police. I want to give one more thing for the 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 listeners out there um if you have not done this you want to go to youtube and you want to look up michael jr a personal experience with the police michael jr a personal experience with the police now for the listeners out there that don't know who michael jr is michael jr is a uh, black comedian he is funny a wonderfully godly man I'll tell you what, he has done some incredible things for people. And I'm not going to get into that. I want you to take 10 minutes and listen to his video. And he shares something that is very compelling. It's one of the most compelling things I've ever listened to. Michael Jr., a personal experience with the police. Now, when you listen to that, you're going to go through that and you're going to go, Oh man, Michael, did you do this? Did you do that? I want you to listen all the way to the end. All the way to the end. And folks, I think you are going to find out why I believe that video is extremely compelling. It's had 52,000 views and it's only been out there a week. And a lot of people don't even know who Michael Jr. is. It's a powerful, well powerful video. Since you bring it up, you want to give us a little bit or you want to, you, you want to make that. people go yeah. watch it? No, I really do want people to watch it, but I'm going to give you just a taste. Um, he used to live um, up north. He lives in the Dallas area now, 
Um, but he used to live up north. Um, I believe he said Michigan is where this was. And he was leaving, living in one of those areas that just, it, John Arthur, if, if people had the money, you'd, this is a place you don't go live. But he's trying to, he's a businessman at, at a very young age. He's trying to save his money and he can handle it, right? Yeah. And he's going to tell you what the rest of what happened there on one specific night. And I'll tell you, it, 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 it would be enough to make anyone bitter. But I'm telling you, you've got to listen all the way to the end. All the way to the end. I want to encourage everybody to do it. Michael Jr., um, a personal experience with the police. So we'll see if we can go ahead and uh, link that in the YouTube and Facebook videos for the show. By the way, mm -hmm. quick uh, self-shameless promotion here. Uh, if you're listening to th on the radio, you're hearing this on uh, uh, AM 1540 or 101.7 FM if you are in uh, Clear Lake or Pasadena. But if you're watching this online on the When Opinions Collide YouTube channel or Facebook uh, group. We'll uh, have that in the description. And if you want to have a link sent to you on that, go ahead and tweet us at Opinions Collide. Uh, Mr. Pomeroy, I want to go ahead and get a little bit more from you here. Sure. Uh, so, Amud Arbery, uh, that's mm -hmm. one that has really been eclipsed by this George Floyd thing. Self-policing. Yeah. Self-policing. Does that, does Amud Arbery sound like self-policing or police doing it on their own or by themselves? You know, um, boy, John Arthur, I'm not sure that I know enough about that whole situation to really comment well on that. I, so I, I don't, I don't want to say something that I would regret later. Uh, the short, that. the mm -hmm. short is three men they saw a what what they would call a breaking and entering. Georgia state law allows you to pursue one from the, someone from the scene of the crime with the intent to arrest. Mm -hmm. However, these gentlemen, there was no crime technically committed under the law. This is what the judge found uh, because he he walked in a construction site, didn't take a thing. And they chased him down and put a shotgun in his face. Mm -hmm. And when he ducked and tried to grab the gun, they let him have it. Uh, as nicely as I can say it, they were filming for the purpose of I, I, I hope to to maintain a certain amount of integrity. However, the the gentleman who was filming says that uh, the man who came running up on Amud Arbery was yelling uh, racial epithets. So. That's one of those situations where I'm not sure where everything sits down. One of the officers, one of the people involved was a former officer. He's a retired police officer. Uh, when, when it comes to self-policing, I really want someone who is trained and who is under a strict set of rules of engagement when they start to use force on the public. Let me tell you, uh, you okay. So John Arthur, what you're doing right here is you are detailing what the issues are going to be if America wants to self-police. 
and it is going to be ugly. You think it's bad now? Yes. And and let me tell you who the next one is to walk off off the uh, off the off the stage. Police officers will do it, and then the judges are going to move off. I don't want to adjudicate that case. Nope. nope. I don't want to play. I don't want to mess with that, especially if at the end of the day, the people who shot this guy, if I adjudicate them as as in error, guess what? Their brothers are going to do, or their or their cousins are going to do when I get home. Yeah. They're going to find me doing something and they're going to try to set up, you know, it's just as bad or worse than the, any police, pick your, pick your worst police department in the States. Yeah. This will be worse on edge than yes. the worst police department, the, the most corrupt, the most vile. And what's going and, to happen, John Arthur, is when, when, when people, uh, when, when they feel wronged by somebody, they will concoct a way to get even. Eye for under an the, eye. Yes, under the, under the disguise of uh, self-policing. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is really Nonsensical. Bad. Yeah. It's yeah. a nonsensical argument, and I, I do wonder how many people take it seriously. But it's something that they've said, so... It's time yeah. to, you know, go ahead and just give it a quick note. Yep. So how do you think Derek Chauvin's case should have been charged? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? They went from third and they moved it to second, which I'm not sure they should have even moved it to second because I want to see this guy in jail as long as possible. There are some people who believe that the second degree charge is going to be harder to defend or rather harder to prosecute with than the third. So what's your thought? Um, there's, there's a, I, I tell you what, you don't want to be the DA on this one. Right. Okay. So, and, and here's why, here's why. Um, a lot of people get upset when they see situations like an OJ Simpson or Rodney King and, and so on and so forth. Listen, our judicial system, while it may not be perfect, is really good, really good. The presumption of innocence is one of the most wonderful rights that we have as, as Americans. So when, when I say this, I, I, wanna, I want people to understand where I'm coming from on this. I, I want him to be convicted and I want him to spend as much time in prison for it that that can be done that's where it becomes difficult for a DA do you go with three or do you go with two and you don't want one I think I think that would be near describe impossible. what one is well one is, is first degree murder it, that that would be your true intent. Uh, I was thinking about doing this the whole time, and, and, and I'm boy, I'm that is like really bubbled high. That that's not Minnesota's might be slightly different, okay? But the idea is that when you're talking about meditated, yes, it has to yes, be premeditated. That's right. Second degree murder, 
third degree is malicious murder and manslaughter, two different things. People, yeah. I, I read one tweet on Twitter. Twitter is interesting. It's a lot of fun to read the things that people post there because they're amazing. And yeah. uh, some of the best and some of the worst ways. Uh, someone says, I was in this class. I know that first degree murder is murder with intent. Uh, you, you've, you must have failed civics class because manslaughter is killing someone without intent. Murder is with intent, yeah. right? And what kind of intent? Third degree is you were doing something malicious and you killed someone while See, doing this, it. And, this is and where... Second, second is a acting violence against someone and you killed them when yeah. you're acting violently. And first degree is you thought about it, you premeditated it, you pulled the gun out, you aimed it, and you shot. Like, yeah. that's murder one. Yeah. And what Chauvin did, it might have been murder one, but to prove that, you talked about... Bingo. You talked and about proving yep. beyond a shadow of a doubt. Guess what he's going to get off on? He's going to get off on, off on, on murder that one. Because you can't... He yep. can say all day long, that, oh, I, I didn't mean to kill him. I didn't mean to do that. What you were doing was vile and disgusting. Yeah. But did he, mean to, did he mean to kill him or to choke him out? And I, I don't know. Uh, the, what, it, it looked pretty darn bad. But you're going to lose the jury on murder one. Yes. Let's put him away for 40 years. Uh, the guy, is, it. it's going to be 30, 40 years do it with murder too. The guy's going to be 80 years old when he gets out. If he gets out, do you really think an officer charged with police brutality is going to last well in the system? There's a couple of things on that, John Arthur. Uh, one is, uh, all right, I'm not going to bring that up. That one. Uh, but number the, the, Don't drop one, the show. thing, the, the soap is the, is the, is the thing. Yeah. The, the, the a police officer in prison is not good that that's that's bad for him derek chauvin mm -hmm. should probably be very nervous about walking around in a prison that would not there's there's two groups of people that suffer some really bad consequences many of them suffer death and that is police officers and child molesters yep those are the two and in in that's just, I won't call it common knowledge, but for any of us that have worked with, with, within the prison system, I was a chaplain there uh, in, in Huntsville for 21 plus years, uh, a volunteer chaplain, I should say. Um, and that, that's just common knowledge. You, that is not good. I've never heard of anybody being threatened because they were a police officer. I don't even know any former police officers there, but the point is, it's it's knowledge it's knowledge in derek chauvin he he should be nervous about every day that he spends in a prison he should be really nervous now when it comes to the intent part that's where the difficulty is for the da when you're talking about uh, a murder too i would think that you could pretty reasonably get a conviction on that now that being said though what are you willing to risk is there other things i want to see charge him. him with you know um i i there's and boy there's so much to this case there is so much does he even get a fair trial there 
Does he get a fair trial? You know, it, it, that's an in interesting question. The jury pool has definitely been. Uh, uh, oh, it's tainted. been tainted. Oh my, oh my. But, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where you, you know, it's like, can we celebrate for a moment that this guy is going to have a jury bust him? You know, if we have the right charges. At the same time, can we pull back a moment and say, what kind of precedent does this set? For yeah. an innocent person, want to be oh. very careful that Shoo. tomorrow yeah. the precedent set today for someone who deserves it doesn't set a bad precedent for tomorrow. Someone once said uh, it's better to let uh, uh, 10, 10, 10 guilty, per, guilty people go free than to put one innocent behind bars. And that's the, the, the tenet behind American law because the thought is, is if they did it once, they'll do it again. Uh, someone like Chauvin – though i mean thankfully we have the evidence we we really yeah. and yeah. i don't think we have all the evidence i could get conspiratorial here I, there's part of me that wonders they work together in the same uh uh outfit as as, as moonlighting security guards i don't know if you've heard that mm -mm. but but they both work together moonlighting as security details at the same nightclub or or, well, or here's the other thing though um john arthur this this is the one I did. I did see that. I did see that. Uh, but here's here's the other thing. Um, so that that to me definitely plays into it. The other thing, and I've not heard anything about what was in um, in in him in in terms of was there any drugs involved in this or or, or not? There was. He he was on fentanyl. And methamphetamine. Okay. So you're uh, talking about powerful it, it, stuff. And let me, this goes to the issue of jury pools. By the way, I think anybody that has been selected for jury duty there, they are dying to get on this case. Whereas mostly, usually <laughs> everybody is dying to get out. And I think that's sad. If your only I, purpose for yeah. serving on a jury is to be on a famous case, Stay home. We don't need you. We need people to take and this thing seriously. And as much as we think that Derek Chauvin is guilty, and by the way, the video is very compelling, that's not the only thing that should be considered here. He has rights to a defense. He is presumed innocent mm -hmm. until proven guilty. Let the justice system do its work. And, it, and I know this sounds bad. You're not supposed to have glee in other people's uh, demise, but I'll enjoy the justice system working the whole way along with this one. We, we anticipate that it will. Yes. I have great, great anticipation that, that and, and I'll, I'll be watching this one. I'll, I want to watch oh, this be one a lot of and I want to see, I want to see this all the way to the end. And I, I'm not someone who's, who's, I, but you know what, John Arthur, that's, that's true. And, and, and there will be people. You want to know what makes me nervous on this? What about the other three officers? What about them? And I wonder if, if, if we go through this trial and we just say ho-hum about the other three. You know what? Those we do are the need three. To, we do need to see those. Yeah, that's right. There was an opportunity for them to step in. If, if, if George Floyd was so strong, all right, that, that, that 
Derek Chauvin needed to feel like he needed to put his, his knee on his neck. And by the way, if you're in fear of your life, I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you've got your, your, your heel on the head of a snake, you don't lift up. Okay. And, and I'm not trying to defend Derek Chauvin here. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm telling you is, is that if Derek Chauvin truly believed that his life was in, in jeopardy, those other three officers should have been jumping in. When they saw that George Floyd's life was in jeopardy, they should have been jumping in. Sure. It shouldn't have been. That's, that's, that's collaborative help for everybody involved. And that's what police should be doing. I'm, I'm because all doing... of our polarized society. That's right. I, I, I want to make very clear because of our polarized society. I want to make very clear what you're saying is that after he was on the ground mm-hmm. and after he was saying, I can't breathe. And after they, they had him subdued, their yes. job was to get the, the guy up and into the police car. Amen. As they should Amen. That is because, exactly because, what because it's going to the internet because yep. this is going to the internet because this is on radio. I want to make sure that you in the comment section, I see you typing. I see you. Wait. <laughs> He's saying that those three guys should have stepped in and they should have knocked Chauvin off or, yeah, or they got him up. should have never gotten to a point where, where a bystander, a civilian, had to even think about it. That should Agreed. not have happened. So we didn't have one bad nut in this situation. We had four. We had four. And the unfortunate part was they were all at the same place at the same time. And it does make me wonder about the Minneapolis Police Department. Hello? But that is a commissioner. That is a commissioner issue, or that, that, that is an issue for the mayor, the commissioner, the, the county constable, or, who, or sheriff, whoever it was that was in charge of that. That's their issue. Take Spot that on right. the task. Yep. And by the way, I think the Floyd family should get a settlement for this. All oh, right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm all for them getting a settlement for this. Not that it actually fixes the problem, it, no. but it, it's they at this point they deserve something, some sort of uh, anything, just to say, look, this was we took a horrible toll on you, yep. and and that's something that should really be there. So uh, just to wrap up real quick, we got uh, a couple of minutes left. What are the solutions to the divide that Americans face today? We're in this polarized nation. What's going to heal our, our country? Um, be quiet and do more listening. Uh, we could start there. Um, get your nose out of the news. Get your eyes in the word of God. If I could be so blunt, uh, that, 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 you know, John Arthur, what's really interesting is when you take a look at where we're at in America today, 2020, and, and for those that, that don't believe in prayer in public schools, you're, you're going to love this. So God bless you. When prayer got yanked out of the public schools, when the Bible was ripped out of public schools, when the 10 commandments was ripped out of public schools, you took away an environment that encouraged people to do what's right and told you there was a price for doing wrong. When you plant stuff in the field, 
and I want to use a farming analogy if I could for a moment. I grew up on a dairy farm. My dad would have me do something with the corn and we would have to go and uh, run the tractors down the rows that would dig out weeds because either the corn was going to grow or the weeds were going to grow. And what we did when we took the Bible out, when we took prayer out, when we took the Ten Commandments out, what we did, and this happened to me from time to time when I was running the, the tractor down those rows, I wasn't pulling up weeds, I accidentally pulled corn. We've been pulling corn. We've ripped corn out. And what we've been left with is weeds. And we are paying a dear price for that now. And it shows. Kids are going to school. They no longer know what is right and wrong. Um, mom and dad don't support the teachers. Mom and dad support the kids. And it's probably the kids that are screwed up. We're, we're digging out corn when we should have been digging out weeds. And honestly, John Arthur, with regards to what can be done to heal this nation, um, I think blacks have been given great opportunities over the last 20, 30, 40 years. Boy, I'll tell you what, President Trump has done an incredible thing for them. Incredible. And I, I'm thrilled to see it. I'm, I'm all for it. I have a lot of black friends and I, I think they're great people. I don't, I don't see color. I just, I, it's just, I don't, you know, they're people, they're people. And if there's really, and there is, the healing that needs to be done is we need to, to listen and treat each other with a lot of dignity, dignity and respect. We took one situation. So, Go ahead. So if we can summarize real quick, because we're coming up to the end of the show. Okay. Uh, love, listen, eat your corn, read your Bibles, and get out <laughs> there and vote the bums out. Amen. Right. All right. With that said, this yep. has been When Opinions Collide, and uh, I've been talking with Chaplain Charlie for the last <laughs> little bit. Charlie Pomeroy, thank you for being on. I appreciate hey. you immensely. Yes, sir. You have a wonderful day, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Where can people reach you? So on Twitter, you can reach me uh, at, at C Pomeroy. That's C-P-O-M as in Mary, E-R-O-Y underscore T-X at cpomeroy underscore tx. With that, thank you once again. You've been listening to When Opinions Collide on the Edge Radio Network. If you're listening terrestrially, that'll be 1540 AM, 101.7 FM, if you're in Pasadena or Clear Lake. Thank you, and uh, y'all have a wonderful day.